Chapter 38, The Story Box What are we going to do? Ayana whispered to me. We were at a long table, me, Ayana, and Thandiwe. Gum baby and chestnut sat on the surface and shared a plate of steaming carrots. They seemed oblivious to our disappointment. The sound of drums and singing and clapping kept our conversation from being overheard. Why so loud? Oh, well, turns out whenever the elders were summoned beneath Isinlangu, a feast was in order. Never mind that it was because we had arrived as thieves in the night. I found myself staring at a plate of food I had no desire to eat as the entire mountain population celebrated around us. And if you know me, you know a plate of food lying untouched in my presence is weird. Tristan, Ayana repeated, and I shook my head. Don't know. Thandiwe watched both of us with a confused look. I don't understand. How did you not know Nayami's story box was empty? I looked at Ayana, who shrugged and sighed. We never thought to ask, I said. It's not like we could ask, Ayana said, looking at Thandiwe and frowning accusingly. You wouldn't speak with us. You treated us like beggars and thieves. The warrior girl pointed a stew-covered spoon in our direction. One of those labels is accurate. Don't forget. Okay, okay, I cut in, not in the mood for another territorial fight. Hi, John had done enough of that already. The question is, what do we do now? I think we should take it back to Brer anyway. Like we're supposed to, said Ayana. Maybe it will still bring a Nancy. You think a Nancy will barter for a broken, dusty old crate? But Thandiwe didn't seem phased. What if you had it repaired, she suggested. Ayana scoffed, but I ignored it. What do you mean? I mean, bring it back to Naomi. It was his creation in the first place. Surely he could restore it, maybe even fill it with stories. Then you take it on to mid-pass and summon Anansi. I chewed that over for a few seconds. Brer did tell me to bring it right away, but... But like you said, there's no point in bringing an empty, broken story box, she finished. I nodded. Okay, yes, let's get it fixed. Nayami owes us one anyway. He does? Thandiwe raised an eyebrow. Why? Because we... Tristan freed him from iron monster control, Ayana interrupted. I straightened an imaginary tie and she snorted. But don't talk about it around Tristan or his head will get even bigger. Who's got a big head? Bumbletongue? Gumbaby shouted. She was out of her little chair on top of the table and was dancing around my plate to the celebratory drumbeat. Sticky purple drops of syrupy sap splattered my food. I groaned and pushed it away. Now I definitely didn't feel like eating. Gum baby been saying that. Boy's head is so big, we could use it to plug up the tear in the sky. Little bit of sap and a big old head sounds like the answer. Gum baby will do it. Shoot, won't even cost you much. Just a new pair of boots and a smile. You don't even wear boots, I said, rolling my eyes as Thandiwe, Ayana, and Chestnut laughed at me. You don't even wear boots, Gumbaby mocked. Oh, look, Gumbaby is Tristan. Gah! She quickly rolled sap on her head until a giant wobbly ball rested on top of her braids. I guess that was supposed to be my head. She strutted around the table, shouting and throwing a few punches. Gah! Look out, Chestnut! Tristan is gonna get you! Gah! Chestnut laughed so hard, chewed up 
Carrots came out of her nose, and then we all collapsed. It had been a rough few days, so laughing with friends, no matter how weird or small or irritating they were, felt good. It felt real good. I saw something move out of the corner of my eye and turned to spy the Yamakita standing in the shadows. She beckoned me, and I frowned. What had I done now? She gestured again, putting a finger over her lips, and I turned to the group and cleared my throat. I, uh, gotta go use the bathroom. I'll be back. Boy, nobody cares, Gumbaby shouted. Go do your thing and leave us cool kids alone. She strutted again. Tristan needs to go to... All right, I yelled, trying to keep a smile off my face. I trotted over to the Amakita. She headed up the sloping ramp that curled around us in Longu's walls. We climbed in silence, and I watched as the feast carried on below us with the dancers dancing and the singers singing. It was a beautiful sight, and the fact that people from Midpass and the Ridge were enjoying it together made me feel like they were going to be okay. For now, anyway. All of a sudden, I realized just how high we were climbing. Um, where are we going? The Yamakira pointed up to the atrium above us and stared at me. There is something I must show you. We finally reached the heavy stone door of the atrium, which was now closed and flanked by two guards. They slid aside the complicated series of magnetic locks and pushed it open, allowing the diviner to enter. She waved me in behind her. I contemplated heading back to the feast, but I'm not built to be rude to elders. Thanks, Mom. I stepped inside and the guards closed the door behind me, leaving us alone. I let my eyes adjust. Sweet peaches, I said in a low whisper. We stood in a perfect cube of polished stone. Black obsidian walls reflected the dim silver glow leaking out of a closed clamshell-like container atop a pedestal. Whatever was inside was the only thing lighting the room, and it gave the Amakira's face a haunted look as she stepped up to it and whispered a command. The light inside flared as the clamshell popped open. You may approach, she said to me. Tufts of gray hair escaped from the braids beneath her beaded wrap, and more wrinkles than I thought humanly possible lined her face. She grunted a few times, and I realized she was chuckling. Think I'm too old, boy? No, ma'am, I said right away, trying not to stare. Liar. She stirred her hands in the air above the pedestal, then motioned me closer. Look. I climbed three steps, peered down into the container, and my jaw hit the floor. Is that what I think it is? That depends on what you think it is. A story box? She nodded. The story box of the ridge people. A gleaming silver and black chest sat on a pillow of black satin. It was a perfect octagon, the eight sides joined at the corners by rippling seams of silver. Patterns etched into the top and sides flared with light every so often, as if it held energy too powerful to be contained. The Amakita went on. When the sky god bartered away his golden story box, it made his tales available for all to consume. But soon, the different lands of Alki discovered that some stories are too potent to be exchanged freely by ordinary people. The tales' meanings can be distorted if they are shared without guidance. Anansi realized this when he received his prize from Nyami, so he created the Anansisim, his champion orators, like you, to carry his fables far and wide. The other realms... 
they had no such champions. So they built story boxes in the image of the original one to protect the power of the stories they had collected. But none were like the first. None could hold all the stories. Only Nyamis has that power. She paused, then smiled at me. Open it, she said. Didn't have to tell me twice. I reached for it, and she slapped my hand. Ow! I shook away the sting. What was... She wagged a finger. I said, open it. That's what I was about to do, I complained. The Yamakira shook her head. Any boy with grubby fingers can flail about. Only you can open it. You are an Ansasem. Act like it. Man, I get scolded no matter what world I'm in. But I took a deep breath and focused. After a moment of searching out the story beats and the rhythm, I felt it, the familiar tingling. The electric melody built up in my fingertips, and when I couldn't hold it in any longer, I let out a whisper. Once, let's say a boy could fly. As the words zipped out of my mouth, the silver story box flared so bright my eyes hurt. By the time I could see again, the Amakita had rolled up the sleeve on her left arm and was digging around inside the chest, its lid now propped open. What are you doing? I asked, rubbing my eyes. You will see. She pulled something out of the chest, then grunted with approval and slammed the story box closed. I frowned. I hadn't got a chance to look inside, but she ignored me and began shaping something in her hands, whispering strange words over them. What are... I said you will see. She glared at me, then returned to her mysterious activity. After several minutes, she straightened, examined whatever it was she had made, and nodded. It will do. She held out her hand. Your bracelet. Huh? Your bracelet with the charms. Hand it over. But... She narrowed her eyes, and my default reaction was to do as I was told. I untied the bracelet and held it out, and she snatched it quick as lightning. The Amakira had a nice jab. She hunched over and murmured to herself, and I swear I saw silver symbols etched in the air before they disappeared in a cloud of smoke. Finally, she turned back to me. Here. I took the bracelet and held it up, squinting in the dim light. She had strung it with a tiny silver ball, which nestled between the two adinkras. A bead? What was it with Alkians and their jewelry? A talisman boy for protection. From what? A loose braid? The Amakira pursed her lips. You would be wise to take this seriously. Something is coming. Something you've seen before and yet have never seen the like. You know of whom I speak, even if you didn't mention him to the elders. Uncle C's cackle echoed in my ears and I shivered. I do. Then you know he brings pain. He brings terror. He brings suffering and destruction. The horror he rides in on, the old evil he's driven up from the burning sea, it will deliver death to us all. The words death to us all echoed around the room. You will need all the help you can get if you are to defeat them both. I stared down at the bead. If, not when, I defeat them? If seems more appropriate. And how about Anansi? Will he... 
the Yamakita sighed and leaned on the pedestal, and in its glow I could see just how old and tired she really was. Closing the terror in the sky, defeating these iron monsters, that is only the beginning. Her eyes seared into mine. The elders have seen it. I have seen it. If you do not succeed, a terrible war will follow. This talisman will provide aid when you need it. Will it transform into a shield or a sword? I slipped on the bracelet and secured it. No, it will help you commune with the... Uh, ouch! I hopped up and down and shook my arm. Hot, stabbing pain shot through my wrist, and I turned it over to see Anansi's adinkra glowing orange-red. A blister had already begun to form where it had burned my skin. What is it? The Yamakita asked. Anansi's charm, I said, wincing. It's... My eyes went wide and I inhaled quickly. Before I could explain, however, a booming sound shook the mountain, sending bits of rock clattering down and the two of us stumbling. The pedestal with the story box began to sink into the floor and a low rumble vibrated through the air. What's going on? I shouted. The Yamakita's face had gone pale and she gripped my wrist and tugged me to the door. Something has activated the sentinels, she said grimly. We're being attacked.